This is the Growth Enablement Marketing Podcast, and here's your host, Jim Ward. Welcome to our Growth Enablement Madness Podcast, where we are absolutely mad and crazy about helping companies grow and scale. Today, I have with me Carter Hinckley, who's with Blue Ridge Partners, and we're going to be talking about functional strategies and business growth strategies. Welcome, Carter. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for inviting me. No, my pleasure. We've known each other a long time, Carter, and uh, I'm really in, I'm looking forward to having this discussion many years. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks for adding that and <laughs> making me older than I probably am. No, but I am that old. I really appreciate you being here. One of the things I've always appreciated about Carter, folks, is uh, he has a doctor voice. And every time I talk to him, I think, I'm going to the doctor. So today we're going to get some, perhaps some uh, prescriptions and uh, diagnosis. But uh, Carter, tell me something. How did you get involved in business growth strategy? And tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. So uh, actually, I started out in IT and was doing development work and decided that I was much more interested in the business of IT than uh, IT itself. And so I uh, got a job working for a bank, running an IT shop and and ran that for a little while. Went back and got an MBA and then I started my own company. I ran that for about 15 years. It was a CRM software and services company. And realized that, you know, we would go out to uh, implement these CRM systems and find out that CRM systems was were not necessarily the answer, not necessarily what people needed, that there was something more often related to how they're going to use them or, or something about their business strategy. And that got me really to the next step, which is looking at growth strategies. And that led me to Blue Ridge Partners where I am today. So that's great. Uh, and I think that's why we align so well. We uh, also don't believe that the software itself is the cure or the fix for anything. We need to understand what the strategy is, how do we align to the strategy, and then technology supports efforts along the way. And I think that's right on target. Of course, you and I go way back. We've seen many failures in CRM. The outcomes, yeah, too many. The outcomes just weren't there. So um, we've also shifted as this growth enablement company that provides technologies, but not after we understand people, process, and strategy first. So we support what you do. Can you, so can you tell me a little bit about, simply put, what is a business growth strategy? Sure. It's really, you know, how you're going to grow your business. So it could be that you're going to introduce new products, or maybe you're going to go into a new market, or maybe you're going to change the economics of how you do business and be more efficient in the delivery of your products and services. Or maybe it's something that you're going to change the perceived value of the company. For example, if you're uh, maybe at an on-prem software company, and you change that to a SaaS software company, software as a service, that in and of itself will increase the perceived value of a company. So it's all the different ways you can grow a company. We're generally, we're thinking about it in terms of revenue, but it's also in terms of EBITDA or in terms of the, the value of the company itself, the EV of the company. Love that word, EBITDA. I love it. You know, I forgot to mention who we have on the call today. And we have Vice President of Marketing, Sarah Reed, who does a lot of strategy work here at Brain Cells. So she works in a functional area of marketing. And so welcome, Sarah. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. I it. also like saying EBITDA. <laughs> EBITDA. <laughs> EBITDA. So it used to be, when I went to business school, it was EBIT. And then later they added the DA. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of an evolving term. <laughs> right. 
course, we have Brian Anderson, who's our our uh, our great production guy uh, for our our podcast here. Thanks, Brian, for being here as well. I'm sure you'll 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 have your dry humorous. Always in. saving me for last. I'm used to it, you know. I'm just so sorry getting just that. getting forgot about, and not, yeah. you know, it's fine. I'm I'm okay with it. it doesn't Next hurt. Time. Hey, ladies first, Brian. Hey, you know, and, and and late. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so, um, we'll change that next podcast, perhaps. We'll see. Um, so, uh, again, getting back on track here. Now, and by the way, uh, if you've got some thoughts around marketing and how it works with you, Carter, you work with the functional area of marketing. I do actually. I used to be a managing director at Blue Ridge Partners for about seven plus years and recently shifted. I'm now the CMO for Blue Ridge. So, so what is the difference between what you describe in a growth business strategy and a functional strategy? What is that difference? Well, the way I think about it is your growth strategy is kind of the uber uh, direction you're going into. Let's say you're going to go into a new market. You then have the functional strategies underneath that in order to implement it. <clears throat> so I'm losing that doctor voice you talked about before. I, mean, I think you need a doctor. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I'll do some water instead. Okay. I'm so the, um, what do you think he uh, has there? <laughs> a frog in his throat. <laughs> Shouldn't have eaten that frog, I guess. Well, um, first thing in the morning, by the way, you're better to eat the frog first thing in the morning. That's that was what I was told. You've heard that saying before? That's the elephant, Jim. <laughs> oh, forget about it. Okay. Something like that. Anyway, uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. Functional strategies. So functional strategies are really the next level down in terms of detail. If you think of your growth strategies, we're going to go into a new market. What does that mean functionally? It means you need to think about the salespeople that are going to sell into that market. Maybe they're in a different geography, so you need more people in that geography. Or maybe it's a different type of business that requires people to sell differently. And then how are you going to deliver? Will you be uh, having a different distribution strategy? If you're going to Asia, maybe you'll use a channel strategy where you've used a direct strategy in the US. So you can think of the functional strategies as being the, the implication of the Uber growth strategy on, on the different functional parts of the organization. And, and uh, remind me, do you get involved with technologies that support these efforts, or is that something outside of uh, what you do? So we get involved in it in terms of how the whole puzzle fits together. We're looking primarily at accelerating revenue growth through sales and marketing strategies, but it's so tightly intertwined with the technology because that really is the foundation that we often are making recommendations about technology about what you need to do in the technology arena, but then we return to a firm like yours, uh, BrainCell, to do the actual implementation of that technology. Got it. So, Carter, why is it important uh, to align your functional and business growth strategies, and what happens if they're not aligned? So, it's gosh, we've seen this so many times. You know, there's the old story of you got to get everyone in the boat rowing in the same direction. If one person's rowing forward and the other's rowing backwards, you just go in circles. And we've seen that many times where people will have a, a plan for a growth strategy, but the functional strategies aren't in alignment. And if that happens, the costs go up, people start to get frustrated, morale goes down, the quality may go down, uh, sometimes the brand gets blurry. And uh, net net, your EBITDA, as we were talking about earlier, uh, goes down, and, and the EV of the firm can go down. 
You know, we deal with that here too. I mean, and we we speak to marketing uh, where we try to combine two functional areas to make sure they are rowing in the same direction. I love that term, marketing. It's great. Yeah, thanks. I think it's uh, and everything we do with with sales uh, and and marketing, they need to be together. Have you patented uh, that yet, Jim? Uh, <laughs> it's being okay. trademarked as we speak. Uh, um, yeah, trademark. Uh, Sarah, can you please make a note of that? <laughs> yeah, done. Thank you. Captured. Good. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So actually, I think somebody else is. Uh, I'm just repeating it from where I heard it. Speak. I wa- I wasn't gonna say anything. <laughs> I was gonna give yeah. you the credit. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I like about you, Sarah. <laughs> That's why I'm here. She actually made a note to hire a lawyer, not to uh, try to trademark it. So, uh, Carter, can you give us some examples of misalignment to make this real when somebody's not aligned? Sure. So let's take an example of a one firm we worked with that sold into the government sector. They had a, a super complicated sales process, and they were in the process of making some changes to their CRM system, which they did. And that helped to support that complicated sales process. But the salespeople themselves were used to the other product area, which was a much simpler product sale at a very quick sales cycle. And they ended up having a very tough time getting those salespeople to sell into the government sector and to fill out all the detail in their CRM system that they needed in order to be able to get these opportunities closed. The other extreme would be a company that we worked with that had a very fast, very short sales cycle, and they had some great marketing toward that end. They got a lot of leads, but the problem was the CRM system was out of sync. It had a lot of detailed questions you couldn't answer. You couldn't put in an opportunity without answering over a dozen different questions. And of course, what happened was no one used the system because they're trying to close sale after sale after sale, multiple sales per day, and it would take them just as long to enter that in CRM as it would be to actually close the sale. Or an example of, of maybe sales is in alignment with the CRM technology, but marketing is surfacing the wrong types of leads. Maybe they're surfacing leads for very customized complex services, people that want a, a custom solution, but the people in sales and the technology are focused on high transaction and many sales, high transaction mm-hmm. volume and many sales. So those are just some examples of people we've worked with. That would be a big divide. And that's a particular example. Yeah. How do you ensure alignment happens? Uh, what, you know, does it start at the top? What should a CEO do? Yeah, that's a good point. It does start at the top. We, we sometimes refer to the three C's of building alignment, and it starts with coordination across silos. So often when we're doing our annual plans, we each functional area puts together their plans, and then they get cobbled together into a PowerPoint deck for uh, the board of directors or whoever is going to be looking at it. But there's, there's really not coordination of those plans. They're not jointly developed across silos. Second thing that we see often happens is uh, maybe they, they were developed in a coordinated way, but they, it was never written down. There's just a PowerPoint document that had some bullet points, but there was never a thorough written document. And the, the purpose of that is to clarify. So that's the second C, to clarify. First was to coordinate, second was clarify. That was never really clarified. It wasn't crystallized for people to understand. There's something about writing a plan down that helps you to really get clear 
on how everything's going to come together, how each of these functional strategies will feed into and support the overarching growth strategy. And then the third and the one that's most often missed is communicate. So it's coordinate, clarify, communicate. You need to get everyone on the same page. What so often happens is a plan is put in place and maybe it's even written down, but the people in, let's say, uh, sales, they've always done it this way. So why should I learn to do this new thing? We've got this new CRM system and it's just a, a big pain to have to fill it out. And I just don't understand why. Communication of why the uh, changes are being made, communication of why things to be done, things need to be done the way they are, is just so important. So those would be the three C's: coordinate, <clears throat> clarify, and communicate. You know, you make me think. Uh, does does identifying process here is that a part of it? Uh, creating process. Yeah, that's a key part of that clarification stage because okay. it's there where you're beginning to take what is a strategy and start looking more at the tactics of how you're going to implement that strategy and then the processes underneath that. And this gets back to what you talked about before, people, process, and technology. Yeah. As you define that process, now you've got to hire the right people to implement it and the right technology to help those people execute what they're going to do. And what about data, being a data-driven company and making sure there's other metrics that you're moving towards to help they, they stay on track with this alignment? Yeah, that's that's a key part of the equation. If you don't have metrics, you know, the old saying of uh, what gets measured gets done. Yep. If you don't have metrics, you don't really know whether those functional strategies or tactics or processes are being executed the way you want them to be executed. It's in the metrics that you find out that you can observe what's really happening. And then you can make changes or tweaks. Maybe the strategy was not the right one and it's failing in the marketplace. So you've got to make changes to it. Or maybe the strategy is right, but it's not getting executed correctly in one region. So you need to find out where that is and look at those metrics and make the adjustments. Yeah, we're, we're finding that data is everything today, Carter, with our clients who are really serious about growth and scale, ability to pivot and, and by looking at these predictive numbers and make those changes. So metrics to me have become very important as we support things that you do, but we're providing the technology behind it and the metrics that can be, uh, be gotten from the technology. Yeah. And what you say is so important, Jim, that the predictive metrics, because the so often people look at lagging metrics. They look yes. at what has happened in the past and they sit and they stare at it and they say, now, what are we going to do about it? The, the thing that's key is looking at these leading predictive metrics to figure out uh, what you can change and what you can tweak. So profit as an example at a profit and loss statement is a historic document. Yeah. It's a bit too late to make yeah. any predictive pivots. So we've got to get folks away from that. Do you agree? Totally agree. What, what are some of the leading metrics that you use in your business, Jim? We would use, and, and, and from a marketing perspective, what are some of yours, Sarah? We'll get Sarah in here because we have score, oh, yeah, we have scorecards for everything. <laughs> everything is scorecard driven. That's so, good. and we say, no, as we say, numbers don't lie. But in the marketing department alone, geez, Website. Yeah, we look at not just the website traffic, but we look at from a marketing perspective, we're looking at number of 
leads coming in and then meeting scheduled, which then starts to tell us like how many opportunities will convert from that and then how many deals will close win from that. So it starts to trickle over to what we expect on sales as well. On the and, then, side. and then the numbers are uh, then looked at from a sales perspective, such as conversion rates. You know, yep. we were able then to be able to tie that backwards and engineer it backwards and say, are we going to hit plan? Or if we're not, uh, what do we need to do to, what changes do we need to make? Yeah. And what's so great about that is if you can tie it to behaviors, so the metrics reflect distinct behaviors, then you have something to coach people on. So right. uh, coming back to what you were talking about before, Sarah, if there's something related to maybe the number of calls that were made or right. the number of connects that occurred, you can directly tie that to uh, what you're going to talk to someone about in a one-on-one uh, when you meet with them. Yeah, great, great, yeah, great, great point. stuff. So, so maybe you could tell me what technologies have you found that support what you do? Yeah, so uh, obviously from my background, uh, CRM is, is a key yeah. piece of this. Um, increasingly, marketing systems are so critical. And as we talk about marketing, going back to what you were saying before, no longer do you have a marketing system that's helping to create leads and then you're throwing them over there, transfer them to sales. You've got an integrated ecosystem of marketing and sales. So those systems have to be tied together. And then, of course, you've got the predictive analytics and artificial intelligence that's starting to be incorporated on the marketing side to help people score. First of all, to, to target, to figure mm-hmm. out who to target by looking at where your successful business has been in the past and then helping to find other new potential leads and then helping to score those leads based on their behavior and their activities and dynamically tweaking that scoring by correlating it with closed business. So then on top of all of that, so those are kind of your production systems, if you will. Mm-hmm. But the other that we like to look at are the systems around change and change management. And that's where project management is so key, uh, whether it's Trello or Asana, or I think you all use Reiki. Yeah. Those, right, those are systems that help you really bring about change and, and ensure that change actually occurs. Have you seen any AI coming into the fold uh, that's allowing? We, we, I'm a big believer in this concept of scale and how did we help humans become more effective? So, have you seen AI as a part of an effective strategy that uh, could support what you're doing? Yeah. So the example I was giving a minute ago about using it to help target your people you should be going after. And if you're going in a big market after a something somewhat specialized, it's almost impossible to look at every single company in that market. And so what people tend to do is they just kind of broadly call as many people as they can. And it's, it's not very effective. Mm. If you use some of the AI tools that are in place now, they can look at the characteristics, the firmographics of your closed business and see where your success is, then apply those to looking at your target market and call out of that group the people that you want your uh, inside sales group maybe to reach out to. And what's interesting is then you can apply AI to prioritize those and prioritize the action. So you've got your inside sales team now that has this target group there, let's say they're making outbound calls to. And the question is, who do I call next? I've got this list of 500 people that got called out of 5,000, but where do I even start? 
And some of these AI systems that are out there now are helping to prioritize those calls as well. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Well, this all sounds great. I guess it's easier said than done, which of course leads me to ask you, how does Blue Ridge Partners help with all this? Yeah. So um, is this a chance where I can give a little advertisement? Absolutely. (laughs) This is a chance. Uh, This is a chance where this is probably where Brian goes, well, that's it. So, yeah, we're um, in the business of helping companies, and typically they're companies that are portfolio companies of private equity firms. We do a tremendous amount of work uh, for private equity firms and their portfolio companies. We're helping them to accelerate profitable revenue growth. And so that often looks like Uh, What we've been talking about today, helping to identify what the growth strategy should be. It's also looking at their plans in order to implement those strategies, what needs to get done, what the specific steps are. So we're not just creating a a academic uh, PowerPoint deck, but we're actually giving them a roadmap to get that done. And then there's addressing specific issues. So we're probably best known for uh, commercial effectiveness or Salesforce effectiveness, uh, making sure that you are getting the optimum results out of your sales and marketing team or something like pricing, where we're looking at helping you to figure out the architecture of your pricing and also the specific pricing mechanism that you're going to use itself. So those are awesome examples all of this leading towards increasing the EBITDA and the value of the firm. You know, uh, and of course that, uh, I think we are kind of like peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> Blue Ridge and Brain Cell, because we support that from a technology perspective. Once I can see your strategy that you produced, we can then support it with appropriate technologies, apply them where there's the greatest return on investment. We can also help with that scale in the EBITDA. Interesting that EBITDA is a, a metric that PE firms, private equity firms use to understand the value and so that they can sell and make money to next stage PE or wherever, right? Is that, I got that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, circling all the way back to what we said at the beginning, two old guys who've been in the field for a long time. I think that in both of our cases, brain cell and you have walked in people's shoes uh, for years and years, as have we. Most of the people who are in senior positions at Blue Ridge have been in consulting for many years were then out in operating companies and then came back into consulting. And it's that kind of experience that your firm and ours brings to the table. Yeah. Well, I, I always uh, enjoy talking with you, Carter. You uh, bring a lot of great information. And I want to thank you very much for chatting with us today. How do they get a hold of you, Carter, if uh, somebody wants to get a hold of you and talk about strategy? So email, you can email C. Hinckley at blueridgepartners.com. That's C-H-I-N-C-K-L-E-Y at blueridgepartners.com. Our website is just www.blueridgepartners.com. So be glad to talk to anyone who is interested. Well, that's great. And you're on LinkedIn? And I'm on LinkedIn, yeah. Great. So Carter Hinckley is on LinkedIn. I want to thank uh, Sarah Reed, my sidekick here today, Vice President of Marketing at BrainCell, our star podcast production person, Brian Anderson. I want to thank you, Carter, for being with us. And uh, we have some other, yeah, we have some other credits, a musical introduction by Sam Ward, mm-hmm. and who's, by the way, my son. And who, so got to give him some credit, right? Uh, out in LA. So, hey, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast everywhere and anywhere podcasts are available. We're on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly. And we're going to be covering all kinds of important topics on growing a business. Thank you again, Carter. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Take care.